Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nashonda Shines. Welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. Yes, this is our last episode for this season-ish, 3A-ish. Yeah, yeah. We're going to take a break because guess what? Everyone needs a break to rest, rejuvenate, and to restore. However, we do have some exciting things happening that we will be doing on our Instagram Live. And we will be more active on Instagram. As you know, we partnered earlier in the year with Fund Her Try, which is an organization, a nonprofit organization geared at getting more women to every start line. And so we want to highlight some of the uh, women and those who identify as women or female, uh, showcase their stories about how the scholarship provided by Fund Her Try or the sponsorship provided by Fund Her Try help to break down the financial barriers. So be out on the lookout for that. We will give you notice about which day it will be, but we will be interviewing um, athletes who just had their first triathlon. So it's a win-win for everyone. But on this good day today, I get to bring, I'm going to call them my home people, right? Because we're all in the district or in the DMV area. They are all a part of a club in DC called DC Tri Club, uh, probably one of the largest clubs in the area. And um, I get to talk to three of their amazing members. So I have with me, Michal Altman. I have Anoa Gibson-Hunter and I have Jules Beklovich. Did I do that right, y'all? Pretty close. <laughs> Man, <laughs> we even had a rehearsal. I was like trying to say names, you know, because names are important to me. I want to make sure that I get everyone's names correctly. Well, we're going to just get right into it. Um, you guys can take yourself off mute and we'll jump right in. Triathlon, what does it mean? Because we have, okay, let me also just say we have different levels on the call. We have Jules, who's been doing triathlons for a while. We have Anoa, who first time this year and then Mihal, who tapped her foot in the game last year and come in full throttle this year and they all just recently competed with kinetic multi-sports at jamestown which was one of their big dc tri team races for the newbie program so i'm highlighting dc tri club because one i love the fact that they have a program dedicated to newbies and they also have an affinity group that is associated with the group called Try Out. So they have multiple ways where they're bringing in um, diversity from a multiple ways. Now, diversity is interesting because if we look at it from only a one-dimensional of terms of color, not so much diverse. However, but bringing in diversity from a standpoint of you know, different ethnic groups and affinity groups, they really are trying on that front. And I appreciate that. So let's just get right into it. Jules, you've been a part, you're a board member. Y'all, I got a board member. I'm gonna flip my bang with this. Oh, I don't have a bang today. <laughs> so tell us about the DC Draw Club and you can speak more to 
uh, the efforts that you guys have in terms of diversity and tryout and things of that nature? Okay, yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm Jules. I use they, them pronouns. And I've been with the club since 2019. Um, there was like a little thing that happened between 2019 and now. So not every season has been as strong, right, pandemic wise. Um, but the club made it through the pandemic, just like other clubs did. And uh, the DC Track Club uh, is uh, also geographically diverse, right? Because we actually represent three different uh, states and territories. So we have Virginia, Maryland, and DC, right? Um, and so we try to serve members, you know, in, in the various areas. Um, we have a ton of members. We don't necessarily have a ton of always active members, but, <laughs> but it's something we're working on. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, we've seen people kind of ebb and flow in their engagement, and we're really trying to work to get people back and, and engaged. Um, and as part of that, we're trying really hard to get more um, diversity, as you were saying. Um, and so what that means to us is diversity in, in, all, in all the ways, right? And so something that I've come to know about triathlons is how expensive they are. Right? And so that means, I see, I know I see you nodding. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my God, right? Um, so part of the diversity is like figuring out ways to do this on a budget, figuring out ways to offer programs for uh, folks who don't have a car, right, and can still need to access things throughout the DMV, right? So like trying all the ways uh, to make triathlons more accessible. Um, and then the other ways that we're, that we're working on it is just in terms of vibe and tone. And that's where I look a lot to folks like Anoa and Michal um, so that we can have like group programming where everybody can show up and feel like they're in the right room, like they're in the right place. Um, and that's been a challenge, right? And we don't get it right every time and we're learning a lot, um, but it's, you know, something we're, we're really committed to. Jules, you said my favorite word, vibe. Tell me about this vibe <laughs> you guys are trying to create. Maybe you can sway me over. No, I'm just kidding. I'm happy. But tell me about <laughs> this vibe that you guys have going on. And what does that look like? Because, you know, that's they want a vibe. So what does that look like? Yeah. And I do want to invite Anoa and Michal to jump in and I'll just kick us off. And then especially Michal, who has been leading some of our group rides. Uh, so so group bike rides at Haynes Point, which is a spot in D.C. where you can kind of go fast, right, if you want. Um, and so it's a nice, more car sheltered space. And so Michal has been leading some of those rides and a major goal I have at the end of the night is like, not, you know, how fast did everybody go or whatever. Right. But like how comfortable did everybody feel? Um, how like competent did people feel? Um, did, did folks like make a new friend? Right. And so to me, the vibe is like, if there was a minimum of mansplaining <laughs> and, and an increase in like snacks and stuff afterward and like conversation, then I'm like happy. So measuring success by like, are people sticking around after the ride and chatting and talking to new people and like, were there new faces there? And did people reach out ahead of time and say like, is this for all levels? And then they show up and then they tell me like, I, yeah, I felt good here. So that's, um, that's a, that's a big priority. Minimal mansplaining, extra snacks, <laughs> check, check, check. <laughs> Meeting new people, check, check, check. Comfort and confidence. I'm here for it. Okay. Michal or Noah, do you guys want to add anything to that? Sure. Um, yeah, I would love to piggyback off of what Jules was saying. Um, I think that it's very important to not just say that you're creating a vibe, but um, also 
check it constantly, like check the temperature constantly and amend um, when at times it can go a little too far in the direction of not really feeling like an inclusive environment or being just a little too much of any one thing. Like we want, especially for this particular ride, we want to create an environment where everybody feels like they have a space and it really is like physically a perfect space for it because it is a loop. So you can really do whatever you want. You can, you know, decide you want to go really fast for one loop and then you want to slow it down for the next loop. Um, but continuously checking the temperature, I would say, is, has been very important and just making sure that the intentions that we set in the very beginning of the season are something that we're following through with throughout the rest of the season. And obviously it does evolve and it does grow and um, things do change. But the one thing that we want to maintain no matter what, you know, whatever changes is that everybody can always feel like they can jump in and feel included and there is a space for them no matter what pace they're going at, whatever identity they bring to the table, or really anything that they're um, that they're bringing for themselves. Um, we always want to feel like anybody can jump in. It's not really something that should be intimidating or scary for anybody. This is really a space for everyone. And I would just totally agree with that. Um, I met Jules, like, we were just random. It was a random meeting and everything <laughs> kind of just fell together. And um, I just felt so welcomed from the beginning to the end of the race. Everybody's energy was so good and welcoming. And it was um, just not about times or, you know, whoa, what are you doing? What am I doing? You know, it was like, it was just really great. It was more of like a bonding experience. I met a lot of great people. And um, it was I like me, I was coming in, I was a single parent and I was really worried. I'm a single parent. I was worried about a lot of things in terms of like, am I going to be able to make the commitment and um, make some of the group things and also train and have a business and going to work. And there was just a lot of support on all fronts. And uh, I never felt uh, intimidated or left behind at all. So that just speaks a lot to what they've been building for, for this time for real. That is so important. Um, Michal, when you were talking about Haynes Point and being able to go at your own pace and jump in at any time, I don't know if people realize how important that is to pick courses where people don't feel left out, especially when they're new to sport, right? And so I appreciate, I know, I remember back in the day, there was this route that a lot of uh, tri clubs took in the DC area called MacArthur Boulevard and it's long it can be dangerous ish very dangerous there's parts of that you know course where you know there, you have to go single file at some points and so if you don't ride at a pace that's fast to stay with the group you can often get left behind by a light and then that makes you feel like man I'm not good enough not that you're not good enough it's just psychologically, when you're just joining a team, it can play a role into how well you want to continue or feel included. And I know I'm glad for this as this being your first year, you had a good experience in having so many other outside uh, priorities and it not really hindering where you kind of fell in line. And I think that's important to get with a group or find a group that matches your ability to connect. Because if you're not connected, the ultimate goal, I think, and what I, I know I want is to see people come back year after year after year and to not get tired of it. You may have to take a break and refocus and do some other things for a moment, but to still be able to come back. And I think 
within your first year, that matters. What does the, the feel that you get your first year? Because in your first time, it matters in how you continue on. With that said, let's talk about your why. Why triathlon? Why did you all decide to get in sport? And what has it done for you now that you've completed several races for you, Joel and Anoa and Mihal on the newer side, a few races? I can go Who first. wants to go first? Yeah, I'll go, go for it. <laughs> the new, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Um, the why for me, um, I have struggled since the beginning of my life. Well, since I was really young with um, weight stigma with doctors, my parents, you know, my, my dad's a physician. I'm a physician assistant. Um, and there was always this big thing about like, oh, well, you're in a larger body. That must mean that you're not healthy. And I think that a lot of my activity, I was an athlete and, you know, all the way up, I played like a lot of sports. So I was also really active, but a lot of it was also kind of a proving thing. Like, oh, I got to prove that I can run just as fast or I can do just as much because I was carrying extra weight and I was getting a lot of um, flack from my doctors and my parents and things like that. So um, I think uh, earlier this year, I was healing a lot of those things um, actually in somatics therapy and I've been just like working with myself around it a lot and I found myself in this place where I was like I you know I, I want to find ways to move that are not based in like oh exercising to tone or exercising to drop weight or exercise because I've done all that I've lost like 100 pounds over the over the years um and it was just like nothing was sustainable. Nothing made me feel good about myself. I've never been small enough, you know, every at my smallest size, I was still like, oh no, maybe 10 more pounds, you know? And it's just exhausting to live like that. So I just decided like, I'm not living like that no more. And a part of this whole thing was like, I came to a point with myself. I was like, all right, I've let go of a lot of these things. So now where does this put me in terms of movement? Like what, how do I want to move my body in ways that bring me joy, that give me other goals? And then I met Jules and it was like literally the next day. And she, you know, Jules was like, yeah, you know, there's a new family program. I was like, stop playing. You're kidding. Ha ha. You know, but, um, you know, the way it fell out, I just, I, you know, have, you know, been on this journey of like self-trust and just, you know, when something resonates, I say yes. And I just said, yes, 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 yes. Every, every um step of the way. And this has been really transformational for me in terms of giving myself goals that made me feel great. That like, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm trying to lose all this weight. It was like, I want to be strong. I want to have endurance. I want to be able to swim longer. I want to be able to run longer. I want to be able to feel good between my workouts and like fuel my body in order to do that and not like fuel my body to be in a deficit. I have a lot of feelings about this and uh, my practice reflects that. My, my medical practice reflects it, but um, I needed to, I have to do things like this so that I can be available for my patients in that way. Like I can't just like tell my patients like, oh yeah, love yourself. If I'm not actively finding ways to love myself actively. And this really was that it was a way of, um, cause you can <clears throat> quit bad habits of, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm going to drop these like negative self thoughts and I'm going to empower myself in affirmations. And I'm going to do mirror work and I'm going to do all this stuff. But 
once you do that, you have to replace it with something else. And for me, this was really a shift in the way that I was looking at myself. And I just was, you know, building myself up to be stronger and um, wiser in a lot of ways in my mind, my body. And um, so that's why I did it. And that's why I'm going to continue. And uh, yeah, that's it. How does one emphasize the snaps? I hope you guys can hear the snaps if you're listening to this on um, audio, on an actual podcast. But if you're looking at it on YouTube, you can see me snapping. And I just want to say yes, yes, and yes to all of that, to feeling stronger and having endurance. I had a guest last week. Uh, she's a part of um, the Empire Tri Club in New York. Uh, her name is Tata. And uh you know, that was one of the things she was like, I saw so many different body shapes and sizes out here doing it. And she was like, and actually sometimes faster than me. And I think one of the biggest mis misnomers in sport is size as an indication of your unhealth, of your health. Because sometimes there are people who are in larger bodies, i.e. myself, who have endurance, who are strong. And it's a powerful thing. And Who's to say that you're not trying to do those things, but you're actually out there working your body. And that's the most important thing. So I commend you for being better for you in order to be better for your patients. And I appreciate that philosophy. Okay. Woo. Sorry. I had to, oh, I, that's what I wanted to know. Semantics therapy. What is that about? Can you share a little bit more on that? And then we'll get to everyone else. Sorry. That just, that struck me. Yeah. Um, so somatics therapy. So you you have different types of coaching that you can do for, you know, um, struggle when you struggle with anxiety, depression, uh, everything like that. You can do, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. You can do dialectical therapy. There's a new. It's it's a it's a newer um, field of study called somatics um, therapy. And somatics therapy, what they do is they lo they help you to localize trauma that's stored in your body. Because a lot of times like you can rationalize your way into and out of a lot of, you know, thought patterns and things like that. It's really confusing up there. Um, but your brain can lie to you and your body cannot. So your like somatics coaching really reaches in and deals with bodies, uh, like body sensations, how you are processing your emotions through your body. And um, so that you can bring those things to the surface and release them. Um, yeah. That's basically what it is. I I highly recommend it. It's been transformational for me. And I think for people that are like very, very smart, it's good because your brain can kind of trick you into a lot of just like compensating thought mechanisms. Whereas um, when you work with actually like your body, grounding your body, learning cues, learning how to deal with those things, like how to, how to sense how to sense your trauma, how to let go of your trauma, things like that in a very like real time way. It, 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 I think it speeds up the, 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 the treatment plan in a way. So that's what that is though. No, thank you. For if anybody sharing. wants a presentation, I know a few good ones. So <laughs> put them in the chat, put them in the chat and then we, I'll, sh well, share them out ish, but yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. Jules or Miho, tell us about your why and what sport has done for you. Michal, you want to arm wrestle for this one? What you... <laughs> okay. Um, so my why, I started off as this 
again, th and this is something I love about tries, right? It becomes so transformational for people or for, for you know, or for some people, what I've seen. Um, and for me, it was this transformation of thinking that like this pattern of thought where like, I maybe am not worth being invested in for whatever reason to like deciding to switch that narrative and teach myself that like, I'm worth that and I am going to invest in myself. And that's what it started off as for me. And that meant, you know, nourishing my body in a way that it could like perform. Right. Um, and, and committing to a structure and a schedule that like meant I could excel and be, you know, a, like the best version of myself, whatever that was that day. Um, right. And, and so investing in myself was, a was the reason why I wanted to, to start. And that was a new experience for me. And I, and it took me some time to become really comfortable with that idea. I mean, not that I'm comfortable with it, but a, you know, that's a hard thing. Um, for, I think for people and especially for me, because I'm not, I'm not used to that. Um, and, and then it kind of, it has transformed now into this idea of, um, you know, and it, it's kind of funny, like, I know everybody on this call has, has like overcome amazing challenges, right? I don't know what your challenges are. Um, but I know that you've overcome amazing, amazing challenges to, to be in this room today. Right. And for me, it was like, why do I keep subjecting myself to all these challenges? <laughs> you know, like, why am I, why do I continue to seek this stuff out and like harder and harder ones? <laughs> and some of it's like, you know, some of it's wild stuff, like, um, I know some some of us raced at this race called Waterman's last year, and there was a lot of jellyfish in the water, right? And it's like, we can look down, we see there's jellyfish in the water, and yet we still jump in. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, there's that kind of challenge. And then those of us who who are like trying out the harder, the longer, um, not harder, sorry, the longer distances um, where you, you know, and it, the obstacle is like, you know, you're just doing it for longer. So <laughs> It's like, why? Right. And so this idea of like, why do I keep subjecting myself to this stuff? Right. And I've been trying, I've been coming to terms with this process that I am going through, which is to like rewrite the story of hardship in my life in a way that like, I am now doing it so that I, in a way that I can control it and, and almost like triumph over it. Right. And that's not something I was able to do in my childhood. Right. And so now I'm rewriting my story of challenge and obstacles and, and, and like winning, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm not like winning triathlons, but I'm like winning in my body and winning for in my life, right? For myself, for my goals. And that is this like really powerful um, rewrite of my own narrative, right? Like I have control of, of, of the hardship. And so that's like a big reason. And then the, the, the other like really big why is, is the community that I see being empowered every day. Right. So when I when I see folks who who like maybe couldn't swim a lap in the pool. Right. Or like we're we're really afraid of getting on a bike and, you know, riding up MacArthur Boulevard. Right. Or whatever. And then like three months later, they've gone through this program. Not it's not easy. Right. But they committed and they like everything they wanted was on the other side of that fear. And they went there. Right. <laughs> and so like I love seeing that. And I love um, helping more folks get access to that because this sport is so exclusive. Right. And so like breaking down those barriers, you know, one by one, if necessary, <laughs> and like trying to, um, uh, spread that, that empowerment journey, uh, for the communities. And that's so needed. And I, I appreciate everyone's story about 
I appreciate your story in particular about you rewriting your story and how many people don't feel empowered to be able to say, you know what, let me take a moment to rewrite what quote unquote was written in order for me to win. And it's all about you at the end of the day. And I think that self-discovery is important, Jules. And I can see that, that you're pouring that not only into yourself, but you're able to pour that into the new people like Anoa who you're meeting and giving them that liberation and freedom to do just that. And, and we need more people like you, Jules, in sport to be able to say, hey, it's okay. Do do you, essentially. Do you. Yeah. Yeah. Show up the way you want to show up. Do the distance you want yeah, to do. Yeah. Come as it's you are. all yeah. up to come <laughs> as you are. Yes. All right. Michal, it's on you, friend. All right. So um, I would say that when Anoa was talking specifically about how she felt like in her body and how she was taught to feel about her body, I felt like I could very much relate. Um, I think that growing up, I felt like a lot of shame about not just, you know, maybe the way it looked, but also what it could do. Because um, I always felt like I was like this, like, bumbling, uncoordinated, very slow athlete. And I did a lot of sports growing up. Like, you know, my parents would sign me up for soccer and basketball and softball and everything, but I was consistently like just there, you know what I mean? Um, I, I didn't really contribute much in terms of athleticism. And um, I think it created like a strong sense of shame that I had where I was like, you know, I, I just can't do as much as other people can. And I should feel bad about that constantly. And um, I think I had this big aha moment when I was still in high school, actually, I think I was maybe like 15 or 16. And I used to look at the cross country team or the track team, depending on what season it was. And I used to be in such awe of all they could do, just because it felt crazy that they were just relying on pure endurance. Like it wasn't just, you know, like, how naturally fast they are or how much like how their hand-eye coordination is it was like something that you could really build and I would look at them but I was I would admire them but at the same time I had the sense that oh I could never do that because I'm different because I'm naturally not inclined towards being an athlete whatsoever and the aha moment really came when I I had this dream one time where we had to run the mile for like the presidential fitness test. And that was always like awful because you were in front of all your peers and it was just like your people weren't that nice back then. They were kind of like a little bit mean about, um, you know, how fast you could be or whatever. And um, I had this dream. We used to have to run four laps around the school and that was, it was like 400 meters and that would be a mile. And um, I had a dream that I was, like it was that day and in the dream itself I really only ran one lap and then in the dream I told myself like oh I can't do anymore because I'm not an athlete I can't do these things and so I stopped and when I woke up I had this moment where I realized you know I've done crazy things in my dreams like you know it's literally the power of imagination you can fly you can breathe underwater you can talk to people who have passed away you could literally do anything in your dream of course I could have run those four laps of course I could have run a mile I could have been the fastest but it was a hundred percent just the messages that I've told myself again and again and again that have factored into my subconscious that's like I can't I am not an athlete I can't do these things because that's just not what I'm able to do 
And um, that moment really woke something up in me. And I realized just how deeply I was affecting my subconscious on the level of telling myself how limited I was. And um, I ended up signing up for the cross country team. And I was like, the slowest on the team. But at that point, I didn't care that much because I was like, you know what, I'm out here. And I'm proud because the past me could have never like they would never even would have stepped up to the to the start line. And um, that was a very important moment in my life where I realized that it really doesn't matter at what pace you're going at, you need to show up and you need to con- like consistently put in the work to challenge yourself and to keep trying. And it's really a lot about like the power of mindset. If you tell yourself you can't do something, you absolutely will never be able to do it. But if you tell yourself that you're going to keep trying and maybe fail, then you absolutely can do it. And triathlon has been um, a step in that process for me of, you know, attempting a lot of things, especially things that are physical that do bring up that constant, like subconscious messaging of like, I can't do this. I'm bad. Like, you know, I'm not naturally inclined towards this whatsoever. Um, really anything that puts me like in physical hardship, that's what brings it up the most. And so that's really where I feel that biggest challenge of pushing past those voices that tell me I can't do these things. And triathlon is like an amazing thing because you get to work on three disciplines and challenge yourself in different avenues within those three different disciplines. And even if you have a really bad run one day, you can, you know, get up the next day and then have an amazing swim. And so it's a way of like balancing it out so that you're not stuck in one headspace of like, I need to hit this one, you know, like I need to run a mile by this time, even if you have a little bit of discouragement there, you can feel really uplifted in another regard. And then, so I really like that balance. I think that's what triathlon, that's my why for specifically triathlon is it's a way to balance that feeling of, oh, I'm not great at this, but I'm going to keep working at this. And then eventually you just elevate yourself up on all three, um, just naturally, just by doing it again and again and trying and trying. Love that. I love that you went out for the cross country team and didn't, despite what your pace was like, that's mental strength right there. You know, especially in high school when kids, Mm. yeah, high school was tough, is tough, could be for those who are, Mm. all right, anyway, everyone has a different high school journey, but wow. And I, and you're right. Like I think about the people who I get to interview on this podcast, whether they're Olympic gold medalist or age group athletes, like we are, they all have something that they're constantly working on. And to be honest, they never arrive. And I've never heard anyone say, oh yeah, I'm there. No, but you're right. You get three, three disciplines, an opportunity to get each one of them right at a different time. And you just constantly keep going and building yourself. I like that. And kudos to you for um, just not giving up and what way to challenge yourself. Because listen, it can be tough out there, especially when you don't see a lot of people that look like you. It can be, it can be tough. And that's another mental aspect of it. But I appreciate all of your stories and your whys. Now let's get into your first races because that's really why we're here to try beginner's luck, right? Like, let's talk about your first time ever. Jules, how long have you been in sport? Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, in this sport, since 2019. Okay. When I started, I did the, the club's new triathlete program. 
which wow. now I'm this like big proponent for, and I've helped organize it in year, you know. So like I was a I was a newbie back then, two thousand. So we have from yes. not including myself, but from nine years to five years to two years to one year, we have a range of experience on this podcast today. So let's get right into it. Jules, I'm gonna start with you because you're the most senior member of the tri team. And I know it's gonna take you a while to think about it. And so I was like, let me just go right there because I just want the highlights of your first race. What was it like from the swim to your first transition? Uh, to the bike, to your second transition, to your finish, the very first race. So Anoa and Mihal, get ready. Go Jules. <laughs> oh my goodness. I have, I have to tell you also that like the new triathlete program, right? That the club runs every year. It's like from, oh no, when did it start? Like February or March or something like that? Um, yeah. And then they, and then it culminates in this like race that, that many people do not everybody's able to do it right in the program but and we have almost 100 folks in the program every year so it's like this amazing environment this energy right and folks like um you know do this race some do the olympic distance right and some do the sprint distance um and we just had that goal race happen right for this year's new triathlete program and i know i know we'll talk about that but it's like so special for us uh folks who graduated from that program to like go back and watch people finish finish that race or you know finish or not finish you know whatever just like give it their best at that race is like the best thing so anyway that's that's what's like fresh on my mind but so thinking back to Oh man, my first race. It's so funny now because like it's the mental game is so hard in this sport, right? Like every day I'm like, oh my gosh, am I like doing good enough? (laughs) And then I look back and I think about, you know, how, where I started out and I did, I didn't do the goal race for NTP because of work. Um, which is something that, you know, a lot of people have that experience, right? That work, you got to work and um, some, some people do. And so I did a later race, so I didn't have exactly the same journey, right? But so I did, I did a race actually Waterman's ironically, um, which is later in the season. It's like almost October, it's September. So I had like had a little bit of a different journey, but that meant that earlier in the season, I did what's called a super sprint. <laughs> and it was like a local thing that some folks, some like friends of the club put on or whatever. And it's, it's, it's pretty short, right? It's pretty short as far as triathlons go. So you, um, I think the run was just like one mile instead of the three miles that you do in the, in the sprint and, you know, and all the distance were just a little, a little bit shorter than the, than the regular sprint. And I remember getting through that and they had like cupcakes at the end. And that was my like main motivator. And I remember thinking like, oh, there is no way I could do something longer than this. Like, <laughs> it's just like, like, this is wild. Like, how do bodies keep doing this, right? And I didn't, I was not a runner. Like, I didn't, I never had that kind of structure or like nobody ever told me I could do this kind of thing, right? And so like, I was just making it up and I was like, oh, wow, right? And then because I didn't do the goal race, I had like some months still in the summer until that Waterman's until that like late September race, that was my goal race. And y'all, I did the Olympic and that was just like three months later. And the Olympic is like a lot longer compared to that super sprint. And I, so it was, it's like wild what, you know, what can happen in, uh, in, in, a, in a relatively short amount of time, if like you're, you know, you can commit and you have the resources, all the things, but it was, it was quite the journey. Um, and I have to say that like, 
I find Olympics hard because the distance isn't like short enough to go all out, but it's not long enough to like go pace yourself, you know? So it's like this hard middle thing. And so I, I, this year I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do well at an Olympic. Right? <laughs> and so I raced just whenever that was uh, with, with Anoa um, and, and Michal was there um, cheering on at Jamestown and for the Olympic. And I took almost an hour off my Olympic time from my goal race, which is like a lot <laughs> because these races aren't that, you know, don't take that much. So that's like, what is that percentage wise? I and mean, can anybody do math? <laughs> but like, like I, so anyway, that, and that was, so 2019, my, my first Olympic to like this year, it's incredible. The journey that the bodies can, can, can go on. So there you go. That's my story. <laughs> Look, you don't bought yourself time talking about the new triathlete program. You was like, let me figure this out. How I can, <laughs> how I can stretch this out while I think about my story. But I'm here for it. And taking that's an right. hour off your time, that's some major business right there. That means you had to have gotten stronger all around to pull off an hour off your time, especially on the bike. So you've become a more efficient cyclist and a more efficient runner and swimmer in every way. Cause an hour that's major kudos to you. So well, let's be real. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I improved as a runner, let's be honest, <laughs> but I improved in the other things, which made up for it. So Listen, I'm giving I'm, I'm you credit run business. <laughs> Your first year, which was more challenging for you? Was it the swim, bike, or run as a newbie? Which one did you have more of a challenge with your first year? Yeah, you know, I was I was pretty overwhelmed by all of it. Like, I didn't have a lot of resources. I had a fixed year bike, like, you know, that I'd gotten at a garage sale for 20 bucks. I, like, had never been a runner, as I said, right? I love swimming in the ocean, but, like, moving forward in water, like, I didn't get that concept. So... And then like transitions, what is that? Like transitioning between activities is, in regular life is like hard for me. You know, I like to like think through it. Anyway, so I was like, you know, taking selfies in transition. Like, anyway. So it was, um, you know, it was, I think, I think for me, what was hard was like the whole amount of it altogether. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Michal, I'm gonna go with you because you're, not super new, but you still have some newish elements to your story. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So um, my race was the also the, well, not also, but the new triathlete um, program goal race last year. And it was Diamond in the Rough in Perryville, Maryland. And it was insanely hilly. Um and we had gone out about a month before for a training camp and um, a group of us actually went out and did the course just to see what it would be like. And um, I, we went out with the NTP coach and I had such a hard time just during that ride. And like, to be fair, my bike is like from the 1970s. Like it's not really made to go up hills at all. I, I didn't have clip-ins or anything yet. So like there were some forces against me, but at the same time, like I was like, I, this is insane. Like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, it was, I think it was just really like, I was very intimidated on the day of the race because of that experience. You know, I had, of course, like tried to take that lesson of like how hard it was with all those hills. And I tried to tackle as many hills as possible in the month leading up. Um, 
but I didn't really know that I could do it until I was rolling up and finishing that bike course that day, just because I was like, you know what, it's, we'll see what happens. And to like kind of add insult to injury, it was also really rainy that day. And I remember the night before just waking up multiple times throughout the night and just picturing what could go wrong in the rain, like the brakes could just stop working or, you know, you things are more slippery. There were some turns that were a little bit scary, especially like as an amateur. And um, I was so terrified of like what the bike and the rain together would do. And then um, the rain pretty much held out until I got done with the bike and then it started on the run. But like, at that point, it was already like, okay, well, I've tackled like the big challenge, which is the bike. So like, I can get this run over with. That's fine. Um, so yeah, I would say that my first race experience was very much defined by like my terror at not finishing the bike. Um, and I felt just so excited rolling in and being like, wow, I really did do that. And then the dread set in of like, oh yeah, I, I have to go run now. But, you know, it was it was a very mixed feeling of, um, you know, just being super excited that I had tackled that big challenge. But then also, um, you know, being like, well, I have to see it through. I have to finish it out. Because at that point, I hadn't really um, thought about, oh, yeah, like it's all the three disciplines. I'm like, OK, there's the swim. And then like maybe I'll get through the bike. And then once I, I did succeed, I was like, OK, well, I guess now I'm about to be done. And then I did finish. So it was a very um, it was a very amazing feeling to realize that you know I'm capable of a lot more and also like that there's a lot of power in like race day adrenaline like you know you, there's like this feeling of like oh maybe I can do it maybe not when you're still training but then there's just something about the way a race feels that you just you kind of just step up to the plate and you're like it's do or die so I might as well do you know I love it I think that's why they call it diamond in the rough because it's a beautiful course, but yet it is rough with those heels. And you did mm-hmm. it. You did it. Mm-hmm. You should be proud. That's <laughs> yeah. that. I don't think that's a very uh, newbie-ish. That's not a newbie friendly course mm-hmm. by any stretch. Like Kinetic has a lot of good courses. And that one I would definitely say is more for those who are technical with the bike that can truly handle the course and and attack those heels in only the way you could, Mihal, because you did it. So there it is. I guess it's meal for anybody who can do it. Let me just take that all back. We rewind that. That well, course the, is for anybody who can that, do it. And the course correct. That, that course is tough. And yeah, <laughs> we cho- we chose that course, that race for the for the goal race for NTP New Triathlete Program because the sprint and the Olympic are on the same day, and we were like, okay, it's that race day adrenaline that Mihal was talking about, right? We wanted like the whole program, no matter if somebody decided to sprint or Olympic, right? We wanted everybody to be there on the same day, and then we all got there, and we were like oh <laughs> this is a really hard course and it was like pouring rain. anyway so we we learned our lesson <laughs> that's why we did Jamestown this year <laughs> and Jamestown slash Patriots those are probably one of my favorite courses so that's a good course so cheers to you okay I know it's your time to shine friend get on up here and tell us about your first time story of just completing your first triathlon just a week ago today I know it's crazy. Um, um, hmm. I think that this whole journey has been 
spiritual for me in a lot of ways. Um, you know, kind of, I've been working on committing to the present and just basically taking every decision and moment, just like, yes, if it feels like a yes in my spirit, I go. And it's like, along the way, I was just finding myself, it was, it was like, I would come to and I'd be like, I'm in an open water swim. Like, how did I get here? Like, and, or I'm like, I'm at like a, you know, a long bike ride. It's long. Like, how did I get here? It just was like this whole questioning. I would like come to and I'd be like, this is crazy. Like how, so on the race day, um, I think like leading up to it, the days before I was worried, you know, because, you know, is anxiety of like, did I pack? Like, there's a hotel. Okay. It was a lot of things. I had my son that weekend because he was initially supposed to be with his dad. But I was, when, when he figured out he's nine, he figured out what weekend my race was on. He was like, oh no, we're switching this. Like, I got to see this. I got to come with you. So I was like, all right. So my baby is here. You know, my sister was helping out to try to like get everything together. She was like keeping me together. Cause <laughs> we also, I had also my business, we had like a opening, um, opening you know uh program thing too so that was that the that was the friday before sunday the, the race so it was a lot kind of like culminating up to the day and i just thought that i was going to be a lot more nervous but when i got there i was just like all right you know it was like a, again like all right my yes is turned here this is where we are let's go so it was um again, like a commitment to staying in the present, like one stroke at a time, one step at a time, one, you know what I'm saying? One mile at a time. It was really just, just that. And I, and I particularly Williamsburg, I was there and just the energy there is like so strong. Like even being in that area, I haven't been there since I was like a kid and we, you know, went there for, you know, all the, all the simulations and, you know, the reenactments that they do. But I also, when I was on the ride there, I was just realizing, I was just like, wow, you know, my ancestors were here running, like they had to run for their lives, you know, and I'm here doing this for my endurance and for, you know what I'm saying, for 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 sport and just the gratitude that that I had in that and, you know, for all the folks that have come before me to just allow for me to be here being in a race when like in in that even in that space like I wouldn't have been able to read I wouldn't have rights to my body to my child's body and just you know I don't know that really kept me going on the race too just like the real realization of that how um, fortunate I am to be able to do this and how um, how important it is to be able to um, you know give thanks in that real in that real time way so, um, yeah, you know, along the way, I think it's it's been uh, really a practice for me. Like, this is all a part of my own, like, you know, personal development, spiritual practice and um, using all of these methods, the way I move my body, the way I interact with people, the way I live my life to be a practice of um, of gratitude, of love, of um, of care. So in the race, I was able to also practice that, which I'm grateful for. And then it was like, and then it was over. You know, I saw my club at the end. It was like, come on. I was like, all right, let's go. My, my right leg was a little bit numb. I was like, it don't matter. We're going. <laughs> and then I saw Jules at the end and I was like really emotional. Cause like really, 
Jules, you you really like helped me through this in a lot of ways that you don't even know about. And um, so yeah, that that was really that was really it. I don't remember everything about it. I just remember just taking it one moment at a time. I remember my leg went numb and I remember pulling through at the end of that, <laughs> being happy to see everybody. So I'm just grateful for the whole experience. It was good. <laughs> you took Williamsburg to a whole different level that I didn't expect you to take Williamsburg to. Uh, I, and again, that's why we all have a journey and why it's so important to talk about it. You were able to put words to why Williamsburg is so impactful from, you know, your ancestors, our ancestors having to run for their lives and we get to go there and do it for fun and enjoyment and just for the pleasure of wanting to be healthy and just a hobby, you know, an opportunity. So I never have thought about Jamestown or Williamsburg in that regard. So thank you for that. And it's interesting how some people remember every ounce of their first race. They remember what it felt like going in into the water. They remember what the transitions felt like. And it's okay if you only remembered your leg being numb, you took it one step at a time, and you were happy to see your teammate. That's okay, too. And as you continue to move on through the summer, you will get more of it. You'll get more as you reflect on it. But for right now, that's okay. The fact is that you did it. and. Your first triathlon is just one that for those who are still going out for their first triathlon and for those who are listening, just because you love hearing the stories, it's just special. You know, there's a lot of people who can do a swim meet. There's a lot of people who can go out there and race bikes. There's a lot of people who can just go out and run, but you are, all of us are a part of a community that is less than probably 1%, 2% of the world that goes out and do three disciplines in one sport. That's amazing. And that doesn't even matter what distance, whether it's sprint to the full distance, that's powerful. We can drop the mic later. We got to use it for right now, but yeah. First triathlon is out the way. Let's talk about and break down your least favorite part of the leg. Everyone, what was your least favorite part of the leg or in general? Mm -hmm. I I'm can. Oh. I'll just put that out. There. Yeah, <laughs> that, is not, that, that is not my my ministry, <clears throat> but yeah. What did you say? You said the for, run for me. The hard. I know you yeah, said the run. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I heard it. Okay. Yeah, for me, the hardest part is actually the mental game, and um, and that's like the week leading up. Uh, especially if it's like a longer thing and I got to taper longer. Ooh, taper week. Taper week is worse than like peak week or hell week, whatever you want to call it. Taper week is hard for my mind. Um, and then during the race, I need a real mental plan 
And, um, and that is something I've learned, right. That I need to approach the mental game, just like I approach the physical part of it, right. That it's something I got to train and work at and give myself grace when I don't have it perfect, but like, uh, keep working at it. And, and I, and I did that, you know, I've been trying to do that more and I I've had two races this season. One I had not so good. Right. And one I had, had, you know, I learned and I, and I tried and I tried to improve the, <laughs> the mental game. So that's the hardest part for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also, I don't like running. Um, even though it's like what I had the most experience with before starting triathlon, like, I, I don't think I've had a single run where I'm like, Oh yeah, I get why people like this. Like I get why this is fun for some people. Like every single time I'm like, how is this something that people enjoy? Um, and obviously like there's amazing benefits like in terms of health and you can see like just how far you come and all those good things but at the same time like the actual act of it um, yeah not my favorite I could I would definitely skip it um, if if I had to pick one so let's flip it what is your favorite part For me to swim, I love to swim. I've been a swimmer like since I was younger and it's great. It's never been hard, you know, even the long distances, you know, I, I feel like it's like I'm zen in the pool. So that's always been the easiest part for me. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, this is a tough one for me because what I love is just like being outside and moving my body and being in nature. And like, I love anything that's doing that for me. And, um, and I do, I love swimming. Right. But it's not that I love swimming back and forth in a pool. Like, okay. You know, like I feel, I feel good. I like, you know, getting in the zone, whatever. But like, what I love is like swimming open water, right. At sunset, you know, those are the things I love or like flying. Well, I actually don't love going downhill cause I get a little scared, but like flying on my bike, right. Like anything that is, it's like the freedom outside part that I, that I love. That's such a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> the freedom of being outdoors Mihal. yeah I mean honestly I would say that like my answer is just a combination of both Anoa and Jules's answers um it's definitely being outside getting to feel experience that sense of freedom but I'm also I, I love being in the water there's just something about um being able to glide and like feel your body in a completely different way than it exists normally um and I don't know, they're, I think it's just the swim. I think I really love swimming. You guys are a different breed. Most people, when they come on the show, they do not say swim. So I am pleasantly surprised that you all really do love the swim. And I appreciate, Anoa, you saying how you're so zen at the pool. To hear that zen, the water can be so restorative. And I appreciate that all of you like, and that's one of the biggest barriers one of the barriers to sport is swimming. And so the fact that you all really like that, that's a barrier that you already have crossed off the, the list, you know, that that is a point of restoration and Zen for you guys. Just that's kind of powerful. Where do you find your greatest strength? Which, where's an area of strength that you, or an area that you want to improve upon as you move forward in sport? We like the swim. 
or playing outdoors and that freedom and that liberty. I know a lot of you said you did not like the run. So we know that. But now what is an area in that which you want to improve as you move forward? Um, hmm. I think that I would really go with, uh, I really, really like what Jules said, because I, I, for me, that was also a really good, um, it was very different. Open water swimming is different than swimming in the pool. Like running outdoors is different than being on a treadmill and being on your bike. It's like, it's a different thing. I think along with, you know, I was talking about the somatics, you know, in terms of bo body consciousness, being outdoors and really like feeling the energy of that, like open water swim is crazy. Like to think that I am in an ocean, like easily could take me, you know, anytime really, you know, just the forces of nature and being able to kind of be in them comfortably. <clears throat> that's what I want to continue to do. Um, just really just to know how that feels because really, you know, I think liberation, that's how it feels to me. Like that's how, what freedom feels like to me. So the more I can expose myself to that feeling, the more I can feel it in my everyday life. Like I know I have, I have unlimited access to freedom, which is dope. I mean, in a lot of ways. So I think, um, that's what I want to continue of course, I want to do a longer race next time. So just working on, you know, endurance and the mental game, I think really um, putting myself in the place where I know at what point I need to give like what I need at different points in the race. That's that's important. I think in a race it's important in life. Um, and I want to get better at that because I think that's it shows self mastery. Um, and yeah, that's I think that's what I want to want to do okay do you have any other races lined up this season not yet um I was giving myself a week to just kind of like come down a little bit <laughs> um today's the week but, honey today um, is the week we need to know no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no I'm I'm looking into it now and I'm gonna start you know texting Jules and getting my life together <laughs> So. yes I can't wait <laughs> we're here for it keep us posted yeah. so we can track your success as you continue to move forward all right Jules I think yeah I think for me it's two things and that I want to kind of lean into right and I'm not even going to talk about running but <laughs> um one is coaching so i you know, I've talked, I think a lot today about empowerment of other folks and like other people's journeys and stuff and supporting other people. And I just really, um, really thrive in that space. And so I'm looking forward to leaning into that, maybe getting a coaching certification, maybe, um, finding other ways, you know, I already, <laughs> I already help, um, organize the DC tries training camps, right. A couple of times a year. So like leaning into that kind of thing and finding out how to best uplift other people and like bring out, um, you know, the best in other people. So that's, that's a big uh, goal of mine. And then the other goal I have is to find out how best to lean into like, it's again, it's like the mental game. It's like also about diversity and, um, and inclusion, right? It's like, how do I feel like, um, I'm in the right room when I, when I walk into these spaces, right? Because it's still hard for me. Like I get to the track and I still don't run in the, in the first 
like lane thing, like the fast lane, right? Like I'm, I'm like, I've just ingrained this idea that I don't belong there. Right. Like I give, I yield that to, to what I like, what I think are, are the real runners or whatever. Right. Or like I, I get a bike fit, which by the way, I like put off for years. You know, I was like, I'm going to spend how much money is I'm not even getting a bike. I'm just like, like I can lower my own seat. You know, anyway, I was like, Oh, whatever. I had a lot of reasons I had to do, but anyway, I got a bike fit yesterday and finally on my tri bike. And, uh, and, you know, and I, I, I was like full of all these thoughts of like, I don't think I belong in this room, like, and all the language was very gendered. And I kept saying like, well, as a non-binary athlete, you know, and it was just like, so finding out how to like build that sense of belonging, um, not just for others, but for myself. Um, and that's not something I can take on all on my own, right? Like the world also needs to change. I mean, we need race directors who hold that, that spot for a non-binary category, even if there's only a few people who register in it. Right. Or right. What we don't need is like <laughs> race directors who don't even have that category. <laughs> anyway, no, that's another story. But so like, it's not all mine to take on. Right. But there, I have a big role in, in my own, what I can control, which is me um, walking into this space. So those are my my two areas that I need to that I want to learn and lean into it sounds like imposter oh yes <laughs> oh yes <laughs> I love that so thank you I'm, I'm working on that in therapy yeah <laughs> coach Jules is on deck let's go come on Miho. that's right um initially my first instinct was to stay running because it's what scares me the most but um the more I heard Anoa and Jules the more I wanted to like reframe it to become broader I think I want to become a more self-sufficient triathlete um so in terms of skills like learning how to fix my own bike and like understanding what certain sounds are that it starts making instead of just automatically going to the shop and having somebody else take care of it um, I think I also want to become more self-sufficient in the sense that um, I love having this community and this has been such a core part of this whole experience. But at the same time, I think that I want to have that sense of um, power within myself and not just rely on the people around me to feel inspired or to feel motivated to do certain things. So really just becoming um, self-reliant and learning how to yeah, basically conduct my own business within triathlon, I think is my next step. Um, now that I feel like I've kind of, I've gotten my little feet wet, I'm like, you know what, I want to like step up in a big way as well. And we need people who are going to step up in a big way. So there it is. Y'all, thank you so much for coming to this, uh, for allowing me to interview and, and shout out to Hannah. I absolutely adore Hannah. I met Hannah last year at Waterman's with all of the friendly jellyfish, her and her dad pops. So she connected us. I knew she was on the DC tri team, tri club, excuse me. Cause there's a difference between, and I think DC tri has three different components and I want to address that. So when you're looking for opportunities and becoming members of different organizations with DC tri club, DC tri club, there is a club, there is a team, and then there's an affinity group, correct, Jules? 
That's right. That's right. So um, the club has different programs, right? And it's open to anybody who wants to pay. It's really actually a very small fee for the for the year. Um, and then the programs you pay, you pay extra and you get a more tailored program, right? Like what Anoa went through just this year, the new triathlete program that's open to anybody, any level. Well, I guess beginner level is ideal. <laughs> and then we have programs that, you know, that advance from there, right? So that's all within the club. And then there we have affinity, we have community groups and we have an affinity group called Try Out for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and then we also have very fancy, a DC uh, Tri Elite team, um, which you can apply to to be a part of. So you mean to tell me I can't just be a part of the DC Tri Elite team? <laughs> elite team, you, you and I both. We can just we can just keep applying. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I actually know some of the members on the DC Tri Elite team, and they're they're very very good. So if you're looking for a tri program, especially if you're new. Always look at clubs that have a new triathlete program or a newbie program or a beginner's program, because that's really where you're going to be able to build your skill in a way that's helpful, inclusive, and you'll just find it so much more rewarding. And then you have a class of people who you came in with that are your new friends. They're your new tri besties. And uh, it really makes a difference in the program. So I just encourage you as we're taking a small break for summer, uh, go back through some of our really cool episodes, figure it out in terms of where you want to be in the space, what distance you want to uh, go after. And then you have the fall to race. So just because we're taking a pause, it doesn't mean we've stopped training. We will continue to train, but we want you to see you out there on some fall races. Now, before I let you all go, we have to do rapid fire. So these questions are just Random silly questions. We love to get your take on it. And uh, let's go rapid fire. Who or what inspires you? And anybody can go. This just should be quick. <laughs> Nobody's inspired, I guess. Why is it so hard? I don't know. Why is it so hard? Mihal, what you got? You, you unmuted. What you got? Uh, I think that I feel the most inspired when I see new triathletes going out and doing it. I mean, the reason I didn't jump right in is because that seems almost obvious, but whenever I see somebody who's tackling something that's terrifying to them and um, they do it anyway and they continue to do it, that tells me like, hey, I, I can continue to do hard things. And, um, you know, I feel really inspired by that mindset of just like, you just got to try, you just got to keep, you know, trying stuff and, and going at it. So really just anybody that try something new for the first time, even though they're terrified is my biggest inspiration. I think for me, what inspires me is um, just the, the depth and like breadth of self-development that you can, that you can undertake in a lifetime. And um, it just continues to surprise me, amaze me, how much you can grow, how much you can change, how much you can change your, your thoughts, how much you can change your life. And um, and what that does to your outer world when you can do that inside, that's what inspires me. Yes. Oh, man. Okay. That was going to be very similar to my answer. All right. Um, it was going to be you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? um, oh, okay. I know. I know. It's the people who are last. Mm -hmm. I love that. I absolutely love that. It's like 
you know, and we stick around, right? We stick around, we cheer for every single person. If there's somebody, and even if somebody's like really far back, right? We like ask the race director, keep this finish line open. Like do not pull anybody off this course, right? And then we're like cheering for the last person. And sometimes we even go out and we like run them in, right? And it's like, I mean, you know, it's harder, right? Cause you're out there longer, right? It's hotter out now. Right? You had to, you had to go further, you know, on your journey. So it's just like, that is the most inspiring to me. It only took us five minutes to get to this. So thank you. No, I'm just kidding. I am kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite music artist? Immediately. I know because I just saw them in concert uh, this month. Um, there is this band called Temples. They're very, very um, small for some reason, even though they're really, really good. Um, yeah, they're from England and they're just amazing. They just put out an album and I highly recommend it. I do not have a good answer here. <laughs> Anything I can vibe to. Yeah. We're here for the vibes. That's right. I'm a jazz fan and um, I mean, not to be all basic, but I love John Coltrane for his life story and um the kind of work that he put out during his life about love and um, what that means. So that's always like a a good place for me. All right. Now I know this question is going to be real good and easy. What's your favorite type of workout? Do you like a tempo? Do you like a zone two recovery? Do you like an interval, high intensity training? I feel like I'll go first because I'm the least experienced here, but <laughs> um, I like a long, I like a long session that I give myself time and space. And especially when I have something on my mind and I like kind of thinking through it and working through it during the workout. That's my favorite one. Yeah, I know. I definitely agree. I like it when you can really chew on something for a very long period of time. But there's also something so special about having a weekend where maybe you did like a brick and a long run and then you get to do like a fun little swim like workout the next day and you're like, oh, this feels so good. Like I put in my hard work all weekend long and now I get to just glide through this water and like enjoy how it feels and it's not like this whole big effort. Um, so I, yeah, maybe like a swim workout on a Monday, I think is my favorite. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh man. I love like a, I love a good like strength workout on a Wednesday. That's like, uh, yeah, I like that. And I love, and I love those like long, like pretty hard rides that we do on the weekends. Like those are the bomb because we go, we actually go really far. Like, you know, we, like It's like an adventure. Um, I think my body responds best to high intensity interval, but I'm like, teaching myself endurance it's like zone two is where it's at <laughs> apparently <I love> that. <laughs> but it is I'm, i love that you're teaching yourself right, right. endurance <laughs> i'm here for it okay at the end of a race or a let's just do a race because we all just finished a race do you like beer wine water soda Jules is like, I'm done. I had all the beer tickets at Jamestown. That's what I like. <laughs> I still got the like hand markings from the beer. <laughs> I like the water and that cold rag that they gave me afterwards. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this might be heaven right here. <laughs> <laughs> that, I was like, oh, we're good. <laughs> um, um, I like 
I mean, I do like beer too, but I think that my favorite is like a cool Mexican cola. I say that for very special occasions. Like I don't let myself drink a lot of soda, but on a very special occasion when I'm really celebrating, I like just, you know, you go to like a gas station and it, it has to come in a glass bottle because the recipe is actually different. Um, but yeah, that's like my celebration drink for sure. Clinking out with somebody else's Mexican cola is like, okay, yeah, I just earned it. <laughs> Now, this next question is one that we just ask everyone, but I think I will have to adjust it. And maybe only Jules can answer this one, but I will adjust it for you, Anoa and Miha. Do you pee on the bike or get off and take a proper pee break? Oh my God, I pee so much, so much. <laughs> um, afterward, I'm like, do not drink out of that water bottle. <laughs> I don't know if you want to cut this out, but like, yeah, no, I pee at least twice on a, on a long course. Like, <laughs> okay. like um, did I drink out of this water bottle? Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and Noah and you, how do you guys pee in your wetsuits or wait and take your wetsuit off and take a proper pee break? No, I'm like a. Yeah. I'm sorry, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I would be in it. I haven't yet, but I will. Planning on it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Plan of action. Yes. Duly noted. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm a I'm a bit of like a clean freak somewhat, and it freaks me out to think that then the wetsuit is gonna touch things and <laughs> contaminate, if that makes sense. Um, it's so funny because I was just, um, trying, well, I, I was just trying out Jules's bike and the other day we went out for dinner and they mentioned, oh yeah, I pee on my bike all the time. I was like, Wait, oh my God, I didn't even think of that. Oh, no, no, I mean, it was, it was like, I was like, you need to get over this. But, um, I like, I had this moment where I was like, wait, this bike. Oh yeah, I definitely but, on that bike. Yeah, but it's, no, it's, it's good. This is a good exercise and, you know, just letting go of control and like, just being like, yeah, no, it's, it's all good. It's sterile. You know, at the end of the day, there's no germs. Michal, I will tell you, I used to be like you. I used to like things very clean and neat and, you know, didn't like hair, didn't like seeing hair or touching things that were dirty. You will learn in this sport, all that goes out the door and out the window, the more you stay involved in it. And the more, like if you're in a try house one time, which is the absolute worst staying with triathletes. Oh my God, it is. You know what? They should do a reality show on try houses during race weekend. That would be a good reality show. It is horrible. People have different Jules shaking her head. I'm telling you, you, you will be surprised at the level of cleanliness or lack thereof that some of our compadres have. Anyway, I feel you. And now you know that you have tried out a bike that has been peed on. But the good thing is that's what washing is for. You get to wash the bikes. Like you wash your bike so that they're clean and efficient and they take off all that residue. Totally. <laughs> Totally, totally did that, Michal. Yep. Scrubbed it down for me. Thank you. Uh-huh. Definitely. <laughs> oh, man, this has been great. Thank you guys so much for coming on. We have the saying here at Try Beginners, like whenever you try, you always win. This is our last uh, episode before our break, and then we'll take a break. We'll be back in September, but check us out during the 
summertime, we'll have some live things and we'll do some replays of shows. So it's been great. Thank you. We've had a pretty darn good season this year, this season, I should say. And uh, we're looking forward to a good second half. And whenever you try beginners like you always win, I'm Mashonda and we are out. Peace. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.